Hey folks, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the coronavirus pandemic hit. So view all this conversation and information through that lens. There's still a lot of great information here that's very applicable to you as an investor, and I know you're going to find it very useful. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Smelser. The Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast is the shared journey of building a real estate investment property business from square one. Join me as we learn together how to conquer the real estate game to reach financial freedom. Together, we will learn from people in all areas of real estate and business in our personal trek towards escaping the rat race. Be you. Do the work you love. Play the long game. What's up, Daily Real Estate Investor followers? I've got a great episode for you today. We've got Mindy Templeton on the show. You can find her at My Semi Basic Life on Instagram. And Mindy is hardcore about financial independence, retiring early. Mindy's out of Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, she is making major progress on this. Got rid of over $100,000 of student loan debt, has been building her real estate portfolio in addition to investing in uh, funds outside of real estate to build the entire portfolio, which which I love. And we're going to get into some of that stuff, including, you know, utilizing the match in your 401k, Roth IRA options you have, as well as maximizing your potential over on the real estate side to achieve financial independence. Um, I think you're really going to love Mindy's story and relate to Mindy's story because most all of us start with student loan debt. We have debt in areas of our life that are not building wealth. And the sooner you can get rid of that stuff and start investing in areas that are going up in value instead of down in value, you will pour gasoline on the fire of financial independence. So without further ado, I'd love for you guys to sit back, relax, and have a rotten time. All right, guys, I'm back on another episode of the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I've got a really uh, great topic and great guest today, Mindy Templeton. Mindy is out of Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, I've really enjoyed her material on Instagram. You can find her at my underscore semi underscore basic underscore life, my semi basic life. And she is she is pursuing financial independence um, through real estate investment properties, as well as, you know, some different, um, different things she's doing with structuring her investment portfolio. So not only in real estate, but also outside of real estate, but building, building kind of the big picture financial independence portfolio here. And I'm, I'm really going to, um, enjoy this conversation with you, Mindy. Um, welcome to the show. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and, you know, um, jumping right into my story, you know, you gave a great summary of how I'm currently on the path to fire through real estate investing. And um, I think, you know, really my journey starts about 10 years ago and I was actually on the exact opposite path of fire. Um, I was, you know, living in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, um, had quite a bit of debt. And, you know, in my early 20s, my husband and I had talked about real estate. Uh, we didn't have any solid goals. We didn't write anything down. We just talked about, you know, we would love to get into real estate, but we didn't have the time or the money or the knowledge. And so um, 
we really just had excuses basically, but you know, so we spent a good 10 years, um, living that debt lifestyle and, you know, ultimately I was paying a little bit here and there, um, towards our debt. And a lot of ours was attributed to student loans, which, you know, I think that's pretty common for a lot of folks. Um, between the two of us, we actually had over a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Um, so, you know, when thinking about that from a monthly standpoint, it was pretty crippling um, to our budget when, you know, we would get our paychecks. And uh, at one point, the minimum payment on our student loans was more than our mortgage payment. So, um, you know, living that type of lifestyle where it was really every penny of our paycheck was going towards paying off that debt. And, you know, we did that over the past several years. And then last year, I really got focused and intense with paying everything off. Um, one of the things that caused me to start my Instagram page, um, my semi-basic life, was to hold myself accountable. And so I started it around this time last year. And I was also doing um, what, what's called a no-spend year. And so um, for the whole year last year, I did not spend any money on clothing, shoes, purses, makeup. Um, and I also stopped going and getting my hair done or cut professionally. I started doing it on my own. Um, so, you know, between doing that, putting every single penny towards paying off that debt, um, in total, we got rid of $165,000 in debt. Um, so that was a pretty big accomplishment for our family. And, you know, it got us to the point where it was like, okay, so what's next? You know, we, we've talked about real estate and, um, you know, I think we're at a point where we need to figure out the time, money, and knowledge on it. And so those were kind of our three buckets. Um, so I'm sure a lot of listeners here, you know, the bigger pockets, um, that was part of, you know, when I started my Instagram page, I started connecting with people and, you know, ultimately I found bigger pockets. I found a community of other like-minded investors um, who really encouraged and, you know, kind of solved that knowledge piece. I started reading books. Um, I actually last year read a total of 43 books um, to not just in real estate, but just across different topics to kind of educate myself. And then I was like, okay, now I have to overcome the excuses of time and money. And so, you know, I, both my husband and I work full-time jobs. We're still currently employed and you know, you think about it. We also have two kids. We kind of started minimalizing our time with the kids. We started reducing activities. Um, we started saying maybe to invites as opposed to going to everything. And we were quickly able to find the time. Um, so, you know, nights, weekends, and then the money piece. Um, we squirreled away some money into savings. And then we also leveraged a HELOC. Um, for getting into our first property. And, you know, from getting that first property, you know, it kind of really spiraled from there as far as I immediately fell in love with real estate and the power it has towards financial independence. Um, and so since March of last year is when we bought our first investment property, um, we're now renovating our third and under a year, and I'm currently looking for our next deal as well. So very cool. Um, <laughs> very cool. So, so yeah. yeah, so a lot of lot of really uh, really cool things going on here. Um, you're 
over a hundred thousand dollars in debt from from student loans, and your payment is higher than your mortgage, and you recognize, okay, this is this is basically just crushing us. We're bringing home, you know, X amount of dollars per month, and it's going right back out the door. How are we going to change this? And this is a situation that a whole lot of people are in right now. The student loan stuff has gotten out of control. And um, and you made a decision to get really extreme about cutting expenses and focusing your income on getting rid of the student loan debt. And that required you to make this uh, really intense commitment to not spending money on a lot of things that you normally spend money on. And I'm sure that felt, I'm sure you felt um, a bit different compared to your your peer group, right? Going through that and it felt like an outlier, right? Not spending money on clothes or getting your haircut or anything, you know, or on, on things like that. What was that like for you? Yeah, definitely. I have had a, um, I've had a lot of people give me a lot of grief about my decisions for sure. And, you know, it, it definitely is hard, especially, you know, being a woman. I think that is um, part of just the way society sees it. You know, you're supposed to be going out and getting makeup and getting the new latest and greatest outfits and making sure you have cute highlights in your hair and all of that stuff. So um, yeah, people did think I was a little crazy for a while and that just uh, made me feel like I was doing something right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, And then I've noticed I've actually, you know, for the first probably six to nine months, people were thinking I was a little bit crazy. And now I'm actually seeing things starting to turn where, you know, I have people messaging me or texting me and they're like, Hey, I tried cutting my own hair or, you know, (laughs) I, I decided I'm going to, um, clean out my closet and I'm going to start using the clothes that I had instead of going shopping. So I'm, I'm starting to see the tides turn now. And I'm really excited about the fact that other people now are like, Hey, I'm seeing what Mindy's doing over here and it's working for her. So yeah. You know, maybe she's not so crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did, um, how long did it take you to pay off this hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt? Like once you got intense so, on it, how long did it take you? I mean, we were paying them off and on for, you know, a good six years. And right. then once I got really focused on it, um, the big one that we had had a really high interest. And so it was kind of depressing watching how I'm just paying interest every month. Sure. But, um, so that made me even more uh, furious about I'm going to pay this off. So I'm not just paying interest. And I would say it took about 11 months once I well, started putting ev- every single penny towards it. What was the, so, what was the amount that you were able to pay off in 11 months while you were intense on pay- getting this done? <clears throat> that was the remaining balance of it was probably around 40, 45 yeah. grand. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and yeah. and of course you're you're paying this with after tax dollars, which makes it even harder because you've got W two jobs. They're taking taxes out of your paycheck, mm-hmm. and so you know you look at your salary and then you discount that down to what your take home is. You're paying that with after tax dollars, so it's it's not the same thing as you know. Say you make fifty, you take your fifty and pay the student loans off. You, if you're making fifty, you're get you know you're maybe taking home forty or thirty five, then you're paying your student loan loans off and right. it's just hard. It's very hard to to save and live below yeah. your means and and do that. So um kudos to you for making that change in your life that and and showing that discipline. That's a, and I'm a big fan of you know being disciplined financially and and living below your means. Um you know having getting rid of bad debt 
and using good debt to, to make yourself wealthy over time. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about where you are now. Do you have any debt now outside of your real estate? No. So we are, um, as of, I believe it was June of 2019 was when I made that final student loan payment. And, um, you know, I, looking back, we, one of the things that helped us over the past 10 years or so that we've been married is um, we did pay off all of our credit card debt. You know, back when um, we first got married, I brought a lot of credit card debt to the relationship and we got that taken care of and we never uh, carried a balance on credit cards and we haven't in the past 10 years. So that was part of our payoff. Um, And then, you know, of course, the student loans we've covered. The other piece that I think is huge for people to understand is I went 18 years with a car payment every month of my life. I never did not have a car payment until May of last year when I decided I actually heard off of a bigger pocket podcast where a guy had, you know, leveraged a equity line of credit, paid off his loan on his truck and then sold it on Craigslist. (laughs) And I really love that guy's story. And I was like, Hey, I can do that. And so, you know, I went out and I sold my nice luxury car and um, I traded down for a paid for higher mileage vehicle. And we also got rid of my husband's SUV. And so, you know, that was a huge piece of our journey as well was paying off those um, or not paying off, getting rid of those cars. And now we have, you know, two older Nissan Altimas with high mileage that we don't have to pay a payment on. So, um, love it. I think a lot of people, yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck with, you know, especially I'm a suburban mom, you know, it's easy to get caught up in. I have to have an SUV and, you know, because yeah. I've got two kids and their stuff and we've been doing just fine with our two cars that are efficient on gas and paid for. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, you know, I, I haven't had a car payment. I, I can't, I can't remember. I don't, I, I can't remember the last time I had a car payment. It's, it's been it's been at least a decade, if not more. But, um, when my, when my wife and I got married, she had, um, a car payment and we immediately paid that off. I think that was the last time we had that going on. So, but, um, and that was, that was, uh, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, I'm a big fan of not having debt on your cars because Mm -hmm. although cars are great, you know, cars are going down in value pretty quickly. And, you know, I, you know, some people go out and buy a new car and they'll finance it at 5% interest or 6% interest or whatever. And they'll, you know, they'll pay full price for it. So 35, 40,000 bucks. And then, you know, when you stack the interest on top of that and you end up paying it off over the term of that loan, it turns into, you know, $70,000, you know, something like that. Yeah. And, and it's right out the door. And then by the time the thing's paid off, it's not worth very much. And whereas right. if you take that money, and you go buy yourself a $10,000 car in cash that's used, you could take that other 60000 and put it into four or five rental properties and get and keep those things over the next 15, 30 years. And those are going to, you know, maybe go up, may, maybe maybe get 3X on their value. So you buy $100,000 properties, maybe worth three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 when they're paid off. You just make that, that's a complete game changer for your financial future. So that's why I'm, I'm very... I'm very hard headed about spending money on cars. So like our, our family van has 200,000 miles on it. It's, it's a not, it's actually a nice, it's a Honda Odyssey van. It's paid for leather seats. Nice runs just fine. 
but it's uh it's paid for and it's not, it's not new, you know. And then my Honda Civic yeah. is paid for and it's got I think maybe 40 40 or 50,000 miles on it. Gets great, you know, gr- great gas mileage and I use it for my appraisal business, but we don't have any car payments. And um yes, that's and th- awesome. It's that's huge. It's huge not to have debt on your cars, have those student loans gone because now you can focus your 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 financial ammunition on you know, growing, growing your dollars instead of making them vanish, like, like, you know, buying cars well. So that's awesome. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, how you're structuring your portfolio and where you're putting your money right now to reach financial independence. And for those who don't know, FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. There's a lot of information about FIRE online. I suggest you go check it out. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people interested in retiring before the traditional retirement age of, you know, 65 or 70 that want to spend their time doing things they love. And most of these people aren't trying to just sit on the beach. They're they're wanting to basically <laughs> retire from the traditional nine to five salary job that they're not that crazy about and go do work they love or spend their time, you know, gi- giving their time towards causes that they're passionate about. So, so yeah, let's let's talk about how you've structured your portfolio. Yeah, so um, you know, starting back ten years ago or so, you know, a lot of people probably are familiar with Dave Ramsey and how he says, you know, get your emergency fund, get your debt paid off, and you know, we've talked about my debt payoff, but the one thing that you know I've never really agreed with Dave's baby steps about is I didn't want to lose all of that time on investing, and you know, time is money, so I during all of this, that was something that I continued to make a priority. You know, I, I realized that I could have stopped contributing to, you know, my Roth IRA or my HSA account and put that towards that debt snowball. But I am very fortunate that we made the decision of balancing both um, so that we have that time in the market. And so when thinking of my current portfolio um, outside of real estate, you know, we both currently have our 401ks. Um, my employer offers the Roth option, so I do take advantage of that. Um, and then I also have a Roth IRA outside of work. And then I also have a Vanguard brokerage account um, where I rolled over um, previous 401k from my last job. And then um, I also have the HSA, so the health savings account, which I max that out every year um, and make that a priority or saving for future health expenses. And then, you know, a couple other things we do include um, 529 college savings for each kid. Um, We have 15 pay life insurance for each kid. And then we also have um, return of premium life insurance on ourselves. So I know that's a lot of information. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's, let's Um, break down some of this. So, so at a high level, what is your goal um, what, what is your, what is your f- financial independence goal? First of all. So when thinking of my goal, um, I, I think I told you, you know, I'm 36 now I'll be 37 in March. And so, um, the goal that we set was by the time that I hit 40, um, I will no longer be working that W2 job. And so we've got, you know, a little over three years here that, um, in that time frame, we're currently at three doors, and then we have our personal residence as well. So um, four houses currently owned, and our goal is to get to um, around 15 doors by the time I turn 40. 
Gotcha. So it's a pretty, pretty aggressive goal, but um, sure. And I, you're, and you're, I also what, think it's doable. Sure. Yeah, totally doable. What What is the monthly profit you want per door on the real estate? Yeah. So after expenses, um, really our first couple, you know, we were just learning, so they weren't that great, but they were in good areas. So, um, Going forward, we're looking for a minimum of two fifty a door. Um, Three hundred a door would be nice, but two fifty works as well. Gotcha. Okay, so that's thirty seven fifty a month or forty five thousand a year um, coming in mm-hmm. from the real estate. And and what do you what do you plan to do at forty if you've achieved this? <laughs> so when I turn forty and I've achieved my goal. Um, I definitely don't plan on, you know, heading over to the couch or the beach and just, you know, quitting everything. <laughs> um, I really, I really am at that point. I, I'm pretty involved in some different um, organizations in our community, and so I want to become more involved. And then I also want to be able to spend more time with my kids. You know, I have Very a ten-year-old, cool. ten-year-old, and a five-year-old currently, and I know that you know it'll be quick. The older one will be leaving for college before we know it. So I want to enjoy those summers and, you know, spring breaks and just be able to go do as I please. And then, you know, I mentioned the organizations that I'm big on. Um, I do volunteer work for Habitat for Humanity. Um, And then I also, I'm in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program. Very cool. So I'd like to, I'd like to do more with those. And then, you know, honestly, I think I mentioned that a lot of sharing my story, I've noticed that, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think for women, especially, there are not enough of us um, taking charge of our finances or investing or getting into real estate. And so I think that um, I have a voice, I have a story, I'm excited to share it with others and hopefully, you know, motivate and encourage. And so I like being involved in my local um, real estate community. We've got a great meetup um, that has over 7,000 members. And so I'm pretty active with that. And I've been, you know, encouraging other women to, to get more involved and, you know, take control of their finances. Yeah, that's awesome. So is, is your husband at this point, is your husband also planning on getting out of his W-2 job? Or are y'all planning on keeping that? Or what's the strategy there? Yeah. So luckily, you know, when I mentioned we've been living below our means, we've cut our expenses to the point where, you know, in fact, if I wanted over a year ago, if I had wanted to walk away, um, we would be absolutely fine off of his income from his W-2 job. Um, And so we've decided that he actually really loves what he does. He works from home. He's got a great company, great benefits. They even have, you know, a pension. Um, So so he is going to stay at his W-2 job. And the main reason is, you know, I talked about the health savings account. When you think of health insurance and the fire journey, that's one of the biggest gaps that folks have is health insurance. And, you know, I, for my current job, I'm actually in the insurance industry and I see how expensive it is to go out on the individual market. Um, so we plan to keep him employed so we can take advantage of those benefits and um, at, at minimum, he will stay working until both kids are out of the house so that we can make sure that we've got those benefits provided to the kids um, without having to go out to the individual market and shop. Very cool. Very cool. All right. And, and 
you said something that that is huge, and that is cutting your living expenses. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing to make. You know, I, I think you get you have to have a, you have to be making enough money to live, right? But past yeah. a certain past a certain point, it's it's really almost more important to cut expenses than it is the extra dollars you're making every year. Because if you're spending everything you're making, you're not making any progress, right? You're just right. bringing a lot of money in and a lot of money's going right back out and your financial picture is not, you know, improving any. So the thing that, the thing that will make your, you know, make, make your spark into a raging fire is cutting expenses as well as making good investing decisions, which is what you're doing. And that's why I'm so huge on getting rid of bad debt and putting money. If you're going to use debt, putting money into areas that are going to, you know, going to use leverage in your favor. And that's, I'm, I'm with you. I love Dave Ramsey up until the point at which he talks about, um, not investing in real estate using leverage. Cause I, I think that is, I think that's where it's at, you know? So, so, um, so that's why I believe, you know, get rid of all the, all your debt, the bad debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, et cetera, debt on cars and put the money into mm-hmm. things that are going up in value like real estate in a way that's responsible, right? Don't over leverage. There's a, there's a, there's a healthy balance there. We, so our, so, so my personal, uh, portfolio, we have 30% equity in everything, which I'm comfortable with. Um, you know, a lot of people got in trouble in 2007, 2008, they had, you know, they had loans at 97% loan to value, or even in some cases they were upside down going in the door. They were in for a hundred percent loan to value. And then, you know, when they went to sell it, they had to pay agent fees and closing costs and they couldn't even, you know, pay the loan off. So, um, and then right. when, the, when values dipped a little bit, they were really in trouble. But so we're comfortable with 30% equity in our portfolio. That's something that's going to vary, you know, based on your own situation and what you have going on. But I'm also 39 years old. I don't want to have too little leverage going on because, you right. mentioned this earlier, you want your money to be growing and compounding over time at a rate that's, you know, that's compensating you for the risk you're taking on. So, um, so anyway, we're, we're at a, a point with that, that I feel good, but, um, but getting rid of, you know, limiting our living expenses has been huge in that because it allows us to put money into real estate and to, you know, to, to make that, make that compound over time. So when you get these 15 properties, are you, are you using leverage and what kind of, um, are you putting them on 15 year notes, 30 year? What's your strategy there? That's a great question. So, you know, I mentioned my husband keeping his W2. That's another reason that, you know, I think from, for the banks, I hear a lot of people that are like, Oh, I want to get in real estate and I'm going to quit my job. And, you know, I know that's a big topic that you want to make sure you have that W2 income to, you know, prove to the bank that you've got, income coming in from somewhere as you're getting started. So that's another reason we're keeping him employed. Um, but for your question about, you know, leverage, <clears throat> you know, um, we talked a little bit about Dave Ramsey and, you know, I know there's a lot of conversation about, do you just get a couple and have them paid for in cash? Um, or, you know, do you get as many as you can and leverage the bank? And so we're currently in the school um, of thought that, you know, right now we're acquiring. And in order to do so, it does require us to um, use leverage. So we do have loans on our properties. Um, the first two, 
we do have, um, I believe we're at 80% loan to value and we use a local, you know, mortgage company that did our personal home. And then, um, on, they are on 30 year notes. And then on our third one, um, that we're currently rehabbing and trying to do our first burr on, um, we have currently, we used hard money to get into the deal. And so we were able to acquire it pretty quickly and then, you know, pay our contractor for the rehab. And then once we, you know, have hit that six month of ownership, we're going to reach out to our, I've already reached out to my mortgage guy to, um, you know, get some info, but we'll be reaching out at the six month mark to go ahead and do that cash out refi to pay ourselves. Um, back for the little bit of money we have in the deal and then to pay back our hard money loan as well. Very nice. Are you, are you putting them on 15 year or 30 year? 30 year. 30 year. Yeah. Because of of course, 30 year is going to lower your payment and your cash mm-hmm. flow is going to be higher. So um, I'm a fan yeah. of putting, I'm a fan of putting in, and people have different schools of thought on this as well, but I'm a fan of, a fan of putting your, your properties, your single family property, one to four family properties on 30 year notes, which will maximize your cash flow. And then you can pay them off quicker if you want to, but you don't have to. Yeah. So, uh, which gives you more flexibility yeah, is- in case you have some vacancies or increased uh, repair issues or whatever. It, it helps you with your cash flow. So, yeah. And that was definitely our thought process. You know, during the acquisition phase of our business, we wanted to make sure that we can use any additional. Um, cash flow to, you know, we're squirreling that away towards our next deals. And um, so I think it's important to have them on the 30 year. But, um, you know, as mentioned, we were able to pay off all of that consumer debt. So I know that we have the capability if we do want to get to a point where, you know, we focus on one and debt snowball all of them. We can certainly do that in the future. But over the next, you know, three years while we're acquiring that 30 year note makes the most sense for us. Sure. Is there a certain value for your overall portfolio, including your real estate that you're shooting for um, with all this? Are you trying to, you know, get to a million, two million, five hundred thousand? Like what are your thoughts there? You know, I haven't really put numbers on it, but I will say um, one thing that during my debt snowball, I had my, you know, debt tracker where I was focused on how much was owed to whom, at what interest rate, and what my payoff would be if I just paid the minimum. And so now that I don't have that anymore, I've switched it over and now I'm working on my net worth snowball. And so I do have a tracker um, that I update on a monthly basis. you know, I might get to a point where I lower that quarterly, but for now I want to be involved what's going on. And it gives me a chance because, you know, we talked about how diversified I am with all of our different, you know, the 401k and HSA and all that. So with my net worth tracker, I'm able to see what everything's doing, what the market's doing, you know, do we need to adjust our strategy? And so um, I'll keep watching it. And I definitely, um, don't see any problem with us easily hitting, you know, with the goal of 15 doors. And in our market, uh, most of those houses are, you know, for round numbers are going to be around 100,000. So it would easily, you know, be 1.5 million in real estate. Sure. So you're, you're going to be acquiring, you know, seven more doors. You're almost 37 years old. You're going to put these on 30 year 
notes, do you see yourself paying these off before you're 67 or what's your goal there? Yeah, I definitely, like I said, I, for now I have them on those notes, but I, um, knowing myself and what we're capable of with paying off debt, I do believe once we've acquired enough, I'm going to start focusing on, um, then paying those off because, you know, I don't want to be in our upper sixties and still have notes on all of these. So, um, a couple a couple of things that really help is, you know, I mentioned that currently, um, you know, we're able to live off of my husband's income alone. So that helps to put extra money back and, you know, we can decide how we want to use that. Um, once I hit 40, you know, while the goal is to retire, as I mentioned, I'm not the type to sit still. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be something that I'm still producing income from some source you know, even if it's just a part-time thing. Um, so, so I can definitely take any of that extra and put it towards paying those off. And, you know, honestly, I haven't thought as, as far through that because, you know, part of my current strategy is things change. You know, I don't know what's going to be going on three years from now. Um, when I hit 40, you know, the market could change. There's so many things that could happen over the next three years. So, I have a few different strategies, but I just don't know, you know, which one will make the most sense. And I think I mentioned to you at one point too, you know, I see a lot of investors that they build up that single family portfolio. And, you know, as the loans are getting paid down by tenants, at some point it might be, okay, let's take some of these, a handful and sell them and do that 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm into, you know, something bigger. Yep. So, so there's, there's a lot of flexibility and options, which is one of the reasons that I love real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is something I like doing. And I, I think Kansas City is a market that's going to outpace inflation over the next 30 years. That's my prediction. Uh, I don't know that for certain, but that, that's why I think that would be a good place to invest. I like Kansas City. So what, what would you guess... And this is, there's no way to know this. I'm just curious about your thoughts. What would you guess the appreciation rate on average for the next 30 years, what would you guess the can- the the Kansas City market will appreciate at? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to answer that, but yeah. I do agree with you that, you know, I think um, not only the Kansas City market is, is, you know, doing well and it's growing. Um, I think, within the Kansas City market, the areas that we are specifically focusing on mm-hmm. um, are areas that will have stronger than yeah. average appreciation. Yeah. So that, I, I think that's important part yeah. of our strategy. Yeah. And, and so we do the same thing. We're, we're investing heavily in Fort Worth, Texas in markets within Fort Worth that we, that we like a, a whole lot. The entire mm-hmm. Fort Worth market, for, you know, is on average is going up rapidly, but the areas that we're investing in in Fort Worth are doing even better. So, so let's just say for the sake of the, for the, for the sake of the example that you get 3.5% appreciation over the next 30 years on average, that includes, you know, if the real estate market slows down and then we've got, you know, periods of quick, you know, quick appreciation, you know, two, you know, 2% is typically what people like calculating in for, um, for inflation. But let's say this is outpacing inflation at a nice clip and you're getting 3.5%. Okay. On your $100,000 mm-hmm. property over 30 years, in 30 years when it's paid off, that property would be worth 281000 roughly. So if you've got 15 of those, that turns into $4.2 million. 
So that's I'll just, take it. and that's, yeah. <laughs> and that's just your real estate, right? You've also got your 401k, yeah. you've got your Roth IRAs, you've got your HSA. And so you see how when you're, when you're just methodically chipping away at this and you do this over time and you stick with it, you know, this turns into a whole lot of money. And, you know, yeah. and, and when these are paid off, you know, and you're in your sixties, you got, you got options. You could cash out refi these and pull, you know, 3.5, 4 million bucks out of this and then keep them rented and keep going at it. You know, just put that money in an index fund and live off the interest on that and start paying it down again. You could sell it mm-hmm. in 10, 1031 exchange it into an apartment, a few apartment complexes. You could, you know, there's, there's so many options. You could just hang on to it for the the really high rate of, of cash flow that's coming in and profit, monthly profit that's coming in and have no debt on them. There's so many options you have, but this real estate piece with just 15 properties, and that's just at 3.5%, you know, if you get 4% or 5%, it's going to, it's going to explode. But this real estate stuff by itself turns into a whole lot of money. And then you've also got the Roth IRA and the 401k. So let's talk about the 401k real quick. The reason I love, you know, contributing to 401k is when you have a W-2 job is it's guaranteed money on your money because of the match. So, mm-hmm. so what, what match do you get right now? Is it like 2% or 3% match or something like that? I actually, I work for a great company. Um, I'm very spoiled here with uh, benefits and um, they actually match up to 6%. See, that's crazy. So, so you're getting, a, you're getting a hundred percent on your money on 6% that goes in, which is, you know, I mean that you don't get a guaranteed hundred percent of your money anywhere else. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And um, so I actually, I had some coworkers that, you know, we had a good conversation about 401ks and, you know, the way that you set it up is it automatically increases by 1% each year until you hit 10%. Um, but I have taken mine off of that and I'm just getting my 6% because I don't want to go anything above that because I have so many other areas that I want to be diversified. And so that helps me because, you know, then I can still focus on making sure I have the money to invest in my Roth IRA and my health savings account and helping plan for the kids college and stuff. So, so that's kind of my, my thought on that. And, you know, my company also offers the um, Roth 401k option. And so I, I do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, So, so so this, this 401k is, you know, because there are a number of different types of, of 401ks. One is this just the traditional 401k. Is that what this is? Um, yeah, traditional with the Roth option. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so the one that you're doing the 6% match in, is it the traditional or are you using the Roth 401k? I use the Roth. Okay, very cool. See, that's the one I like even better. And the the difference between the two, the traditional is putting pre-tax dollars in. And then Mm -hmm. at retirement age, you're going to have to take money out of that and pay tax on that entire amount. The the Roth 401k I like because after tax dollars go into it, but when you pull money out in retirement, it's tax-free. So if the government raises, raises taxes on the funds... When you're in your 60s, it doesn't matter because you're pulling all that money out tax-free and it's compounding tax-free. And the other great thing about not the 401k one, but my regular Roth IRA outside of work, um, another great benefit to that is, you know, a lot of people talk about having um, a, a big emergency fund. And I'm actually, I 
I do, of course, have my emergency fund and I have my reserves for my properties, um, but I don't want a bunch of money just sitting there not working. And so the thing I like about the Roth is you also have the flexibility of taking out at any time your contribution mm-hmm. yep. um, penalty free. And so it's kind of, for me, I use the Roth also as a very big emergency fund, you know, like yes. something major. And I, if I had to, I could get to that money. So I love that it's working for me, but it could still be available for an emergency as needed. Absolutely. You know, of all the investment options out there, my favorite is real estate. My second favorite is the different Roth options you have because mm-hmm. of the tax-free element that's going with it. You know, you're putting in after-tax dollars and then, you know, when you're retirement age, you can access that money and you don't have to pay tax on that on top of the fact that you can withdraw fun- funds that were contributed for certain reasons um, which allows you to actually use that as an emergency fund, like you're saying, which I love. And then when you're, when you're self-employed, you have a number of options with putting in, um, and and you can get, I mean, you can, you can go down a rabbit hole in this stuff, but there, there, there are a ton of options as, as a self-employed person to maximize both your Roth, uh, contributions as well as your pre-tax dollar contributions, and then there's ways to convert that money and stuff. And there, there's a lot of different articles out there. I would suggest you go check all that out about how to minimize your tax burden on all this and grow your yeah. grow your money. But it's it's super interesting stuff. So I, I love reading about that. And I bought a couple books and read a couple books on that. But um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And I think you know you you made a good point about you know kind of the the favorites on the list. And so um, you know, of course, right now my first love is with real estate. Um, I'm very passionate about it right now. So that would be my number one. And then, you know, number two on the account would be that Roth IRA that we just talked about. The third would be the health savings account Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm able to contribute to and, um, you know, grow my money. I can even invest in the market within my HSA. So that's a pretty cool option that um, I have available to me. And also that money stays with me if I want to sit there and bank it up until, you know, I'm in my 50s and, um, you know, don't have a W-2 health benefits anymore. I've got that there to help me pay my premiums. Um, so that's great. And then the, I would say after that, the next one that we haven't really talked about, and I like to bring up because nobody ever really talks about life insurance. <laughs> um, but I think it is also a huge part of our strategy because, you know, I have those 15 pays for the kids that I pay the premium for 15 years. And then after that, they have a um, fully paid up policy that it's a whole life. And so it's growing in cash value. So it's sitting there that my kids can walk away. You know, I can sign over ownership to them when they turn 21. And then they have a, you know, life policy that is available. They can cash it out and use the funds to start their own real estate business or, you know, to pay for the down payment on their first home or wedding or whatever. There's so many things they can do with those funds that are sitting there or they can keep the policy in force and, you know, have life insurance ready to go for when they start a family. Right. So, right. But that part. And then, you know, for my husband and I, we each have um, what's called an ROP life insurance and the ROP is short for return of premium. And I preach about these a lot because I love um, you know, term insurance, most people are familiar with, you pay a certain term, your money, it's kind of like renting a home, you're not, you know, going to get any type of equity or anything, you're just paying that, 
you know, monthly amount. And then at the end of the term, you don't have anything to show for it. Um, and then there's permanent insurance, which is, you know, going to be a lot more expensive and you can grow some cash value there. Um, but the policy that we use is right in the middle of those two. So we both have a 30 year return of premium. Um, so we pay, you know, our monthly premium. And if we live throughout the 30 year term, then we get all of our premiums back at the end of that. So, you know, when I'm turning 55, um, cause we've had it now for 10 years, you know, we'll have around 60 grand coming back to us from those life insurance policies. Now, you know, worst case scenario, something happens to one of us. We've got each of us have a $600,000 benefit that goes to the other one that mm-hmm. can help towards, you know, anything that we need. So it's a win-win for us. Yeah, so. that's interesting. That's interesting. Let's talk about the HSA and the benefits yeah. to to saving in a health savings account. Yeah, I love the the HSA because um, I think I posted this a few weeks ago, but um, I found a statistic that the average retiree, so after someone retires traditional age, 65, they spend around $150,000 on health, just health expenses. Um, So that's a lot of money. And, you know, most people aren't prepared for those kinds of expenses. And it's also the largest cause of folks filing for bankruptcy in their working years. So, um, you know, we've made the decision that that is a priority for us. And um, part of that is I have had health issues in the past and we have come to a point where it has affected us financially. And so, you know, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, this is the number one priority. We can contribute as a family. I think this year the total is 7,000. Um, that we contribute in there and I'm going to max that out and I'll keep doing that through my working years so that we've got a nice little um, pot of money. And then, you know, once I'm no longer working, then we switch benefits over to my husband. We'll continue contributing to that HSA through his W-2 job. Very cool. Um, what are there? You mentioned reading a, a number of books this year. Are there a couple books that you would recommend people check out on financial independence? Oh my goodness. I read, yeah, I read 43 books, which if you look at the whole rest of my life before that, I didn't read that many books the whole rest of my life combined. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't think there's any coincidence that, you know, I had one of my best years ever from a financial standpoint. And the fact that I read that many books, it was, you know, that self-education piece. But, um, you know, a couple of books that I read, one that really was, um, impactful was Your Money or Your Life Yeah, that's a good um, one. by Vicki Robin. I think it's perfect for folks like me, you know, that are in that, um, your money's, you know, going to all these expenses and you're just not really thinking about where your time and energy is going and how much of your life you're paying and your life energy you're giving. So that's a really good one. Um, I also recently read um, Retire on Real Estate by Kay Anderson. That was a good one. Um, I really liked, you know, the strategies about different ways that you can use real estate um, to retire. And then, you know, another recent read was The Go-Giver. Yeah, that's a good and one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really good one. And um, I mentioned we have a local real estate meetup group and 
you know, there's lots of folks that recommend books in there. And these are guys that are, you know, doing, you know, hundred deals a year. And so I'm like, well, whatever they tell me to read, I'm going to go read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mindy, this has been, this has been great. I've, I've loved all the information you've shared. You're absolutely killing it. And you've, you've just, I mean, just keep it up because the momentum you have right now is is really taking is going to take you to good places with all this. So I know you guys are going to be continue to be really successful with it. And I look forward to seeing you know what you're able to turn this into. Um, so so Mindy's website is mysemibasiclife.com. So if you want to check out her blog and more information on what she's been sharing here, I would suggest checking that out and connecting with her on Instagram at mysemibasiclife. Um, Mindy, how, how else can people get in touch with you if they'd like to? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm also at my semi-basic life. Um, and then you talked about my blog. I actually this morning posted my 20, um, goals for 2020. And so I kind of mapped out what I'm planning on doing for the rest of the year to help continue to work towards our financial goals and other goals too, just personal goals. So, um, yeah, go check out my semibasiclife.com, connect on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active is Instagram. Um, I do a lot of posts on, you know, the status of our current houses and I do a lot of live videos and I do stuff about budgeting and, you know, ways to cut food expenses, just a lot of stuff. So check me out there. Very cool. So Mindy, what is the, what is the key that you found to, financial independence to achieving that? Oh my goodness. This is one word mindset. Mm, Um, Anything you are literally the only thing standing in your way. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care what your past was like. I don't care what your current financial situation is. Mindset will either make you or break you. And so if you can take your mindset and, you know, train yourself that, you really are amazing. You can go do whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Absolutely. Yeah. My, I, my book just came out. It's titled Dream It and Build It, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals. And it is about mindset. It's about the mindset that you have to have to take a goal and make it a reality and accomplish that goal. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's 99% mindset. You know, some people have a slight advantage over others and where they're starting, but that's like the 1%, that's the 1% of your hundred percent, the 99% of mindset you need. So if you're starting with zero or even starting in the hole, you can still do it. You can still do it 100% because, um, you know, in your situation, you guys paid off a ton of student loan debt. You now have three properties. Your goal is 15 properties. You're putting money in all these different baskets in your, um, in your investing portfolio outside of real estate. And this, this is really turning into something great and you're helping people in the process, which I love. And I think that's the key. So I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, what this is going to turn into. Thanks for sharing your story on the show and um, yeah, let's keep in touch. Yes. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll catch you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode please connect with me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor or via email at josiasmelser at gmail.com. My new book titled Dream It and Build It, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals is out. You can get it either in digital or physical format on Amazon. 
Once you've read the book, please leave me a review. Tune in next time for another episode of The Daily Real Estate Investor as we both join in our financial freedom journey.